Welcome to Malpractice Podcast. Hello, are you ready to get started? I'm so ready to get started. Welcome to Malpractice in the Morning. <laughs> it's morning time. I'm Sydney. And I'm Jess. And happy Halloween. And happy kind of. Halloween. <laughs> belated. Happy belated Halloween. Yeah, this comes out like two days after Halloween. Did you get a lot of trick-or-treaters at your new house? So we got like 10. Okay. I was like aggressively excited. Michelle, I was like waiting by the window. Same. Like a freak, probably. Oh, same. Like scaring away children. Yeah. But I was so excited. I had so much candy and I was like looking at the window. Michelle was like, they can probably see you. <laughs> like you should probably get away. Yeah. Like I hope that they do come for you. But like you need to step away from the window, ma'am. <laughs> so I have a motion camera in our front yard. So when people would come, I already knew they were there. So I was like waiting at the door when they rang the doorbell. Yeah. We probably saw, I'm going to say between 20 and 30 kids. That's good. It was really good. It was a good turnout. I love trick-or-treaters. Same. My favorite costume I saw, the parents were Mario and Luigi. Mm-hmm. And the there's a daughter and she was Princess Peach. Oh. And then like the little son was like two. He, he was Yoshi. It was so cute. How cute. It was so cute. There was this one little boy who was, I think he was like a vampire, but he was missing one of his front teeth. Oh, not a very effective vampire. Correct. And Eric answered the door and he goes, trick or treat, smell my feet. <laughs> Eric was probably like, I won't. And that was my favorite one because he was so cute. Yeah. He was like, he was a little, little kid. It was so sweet. <laughs> Yeah, we got so excited. And I sent Eric to get more candy, and Eric got the last bag of, like, good candy. Because we we only got two bags because we weren't really sure, but then I was, like, letting all the kids grab as much as they want. Yeah. And so I sent Eric to go get more, and then we had, like, one one after that. (laughs) I went yesterday, and there was no more Halloween candy. None. Yeah. I took five bags, the last five bags of candy that were out. Yeah. And I was like, if we need more candy... I'm screwed. What are you going to do? Yeah. I'm just start handing out bowls of cereal. Like, I don't know. I, don't I told Eric, I was like, the only thing that I have that's individually wrapped is like those little cups of peaches. Oh, yeah. I was like, Eric, I'm not going to be the lady that gives out peaches on peaches. Halloween. Go Raisins. get more candy. Yeah. Go get <laughs> yeah. it right now. And he went and got it. He got the last bag in the entire grocery store. Oh, yeah. That was me. I was so scared. Yeah. Michelle was like, how much are you giving them each time? I was like, oh, like a handful. And she was like, you are handing out a handful. I was like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, here that's you what go. I do. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, first I was letting the kids do it. And Eric was like, whoa, you got to let you got to scoop it yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, OK. And then he was like, and we probably need to put a limit on how much you're giving them. It feels like two per kid is very reasonable. And I was like. Two per kid is whack, Eric. Yeah, it's super whack. I was like a four or fiver. Same. <laughs> like the claw machine. Like, he go. Depending <laughs> okay. on how good the costumes were, I feel like my scoops got bigger. And I do like, so we had a bunch of high school kids come by. So did we, yeah. And I was like, that's good. I'm okay with that, yeah. Yes, people have all these feelings about older kids doing this. Why? Let these kids, these are the kids who really need the candy. Also, I feel like if you're at my house trick or treating, then you're not you're not doing getting ratcheted at a party. <laughs> Period. And, I and love that's the that alternative. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of something scary. Yes. Um, I wanted to talk shit about Daryl Brooks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so if you if you haven't been keeping up, you can watch. And I didn't know this. There's a YouTube channel called like Law and Law and something. Yeah. And he was just convicted 
of 76 counts because he was convicted of Amen. running through a Christmas parade, I believe, last year. And he murdered, he was convicted, so he murdered six people. Right, with his car. And injured over 60, yeah, with his, with his vehicle. If you haven't watched this man, I've sent Sydney like 400 clips. I'm happy to send you one. Uh, if you want one, just DM us. But he decided after jury selection, I guess, to represent himself. Like a psychopath. And let me just tell everyone who thinks like, oh, I should have been a lawyer. But you're not, though. But you're not. <laughs> but you're not. <laughs> I also should have been a lawyer, but I'm not, though. And there's a good so reason that you should hire <laughs> an attorney to defend yeah. you in a criminal hearing. You are not a lawyer. And if you feel the need to represent yourself, I feel like you may want to go get checked because you're a psychopath. Yeah, it's never... Like Ted Bundy. And it wasn't good for him. Never is. So I watched the entire thing. So the jury deliberated for three hours in total. Yeah. One was like in which they watched the video footage because there's video footage of this man... For sure. ...driving into the parade and hitting people. Anyway, check him out. He's... Convicted now, sentencing, 15th and 16th. You can watch the sentencing live. Wow. On Law and Something on YouTube. <laughs> You'll find it. Just Google his trial. I wish it was called Law and Something. That would be funny. Law and whatever you want it to be. <laughs> so just a blanket plug for lawyers. Get one. Get a lawyer in general. Speaking of which, I don't want to... We, we can't talk about this too much because it's very new. Did you see that there was a, an arrest in the Delphi murder cases? No. Yes. They made an arrest yesterday. Okay. It's good. Feels good. I feel good about... Feels like the right guy. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'll They're holding him up. without bond, and Eric and I were talking oh, about it, and I was like, do you don't hold him without bond if you don't feel pretty good about it. I mean, he's innocent until proven guilty. They all are, but like... Correct. This man's face. That would that would be really scary. Right. To be held without bond. Oh, absolutely. It's like, you ain't never getting out. Yeah. So let's get into today's episode. We are going to be talking today about Charles Cullen and the good nurse who took him down. I'm very excited about this episode, but before we get started, we just want to make a quick trigger warning. This episode is going to contain mention of suicide, suicide attempts, murder, stalking, and other acts that some might find upsetting, so please listen with caution. This is a two-parter, and next week we are not going to put an episode out because Sydney is defending for PhD. (laughs) She's defending, so we're not going to put an episode out next week, but we'll have part two of this the following week. And thank y'all for being understanding about that. Yeah, Sydney's going to be a real doctor, and I can't wait to be like, I don't know anything, but I do know a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I do know this one doctor. (laughs) She's amazing. Um, To kick off this episode, I wanted to share that I learned about old Charles Cullen from a movie. So Michelle and I were watching the movie The Good Nurse, and I was like, Mm -hmm. this sounds like some bitch we've covered. Like, some murderer... This is a murder doctor. Yeah. So I looked it up, and we hadn't covered him, but he reminded me of Charles Swango. Swango, for sure. Poisoner. Isn't his first name Charles? Michael. I think so. Michael yeah, Swango. Swango. <laughs> Michael is his name. Yeah. I feel like Charles is such a... I don't know if anyone listening is named Charles, but I feel like now I'm like, that's a murderer name. Oh. <laughs> like, that's a scary name. <laughs> is it? I, I'm scared of Charlie? Charles Charlie? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> if you go by Charles, like, that feels... Well, I'll allow it. (laughs) Okay. So Michael Swingo, 
That's who I meant. Thank you, Sydney. I got you. It's 7.30. So I was like, oh my God, they based this movie off of Michael Swingo. But then I looked it up and I was like, nope, we haven't covered this because there's so many creeps in the world. Yeah. And I sent a link to Sydney and like within five seconds, she was like, ew, he looks gross. Like, let's do it. (laughs) So plug for the movie, plug for not being a creep that we can do an episode on and plug for being the good nurse wherever you can. Yeah, honestly, that movie is really good. Eric and I watched it last night. and It's so good. I have a question for you. Do you think that Eddie Redmayne was a good casting decision? Yeah, I think so. I said he was too handsome to play that role, and Eric goes, you think that man is handsome? Yeah. Yeah, not in this role, but yeah. Did you show him a picture of Charles? I did, and he was like, yeah, I think the casting is really good. I was like, that's mean. He's a really good actor. He's a really good actor. I think that in that regard, yes. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And I really like Jessica Chastain. Oh, yeah. She did a really good job. Yeah. I like her in everything she's in, though. What I liked about the casting was you wanted to like Charles in the movie. You did so badly. And I think that that's what they wanted you to feel was how that's she exactly felt. That's exactly what they wanted you to like, feel. I yeah. liked him. He's my friend. There's no way. Right. But yes way, bitch. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it. But she really struggled with that. Yeah. Coming to terms with that. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. In terms of that, excellent casting. Yeah. So this absolute creep is accused of murdering dozens, possibly even hundreds of patients during his 16-year nursing career. Even though he's said he's not sure how many there were, he's confessed so far to as many as 45 murders, 29 of which have been confirmed by authorities, which apparently makes him the most prolific serial killer in New Jersey history, and honestly the worst serial killer that I had never heard of. Yeah. I, I, he's not on any of my lists. No, same. And we actually do medical serial killer Google searches all the time, and I never, I had never heard of him. Yeah, I was shocked. Right, same. There's just a lot of medical serial killers, and it's crazy. Yeah. We're going to dive in with some background on Charles. He was born February 22nd, 1960 in West Orange, New Jersey, raised in a large family where he was the youngest of eight kids. Lots of kids. His dad was a bus driver and passed away when Charles was just seven months old. He said his childhood was terrible in several different ways, and he even attempted suicide by drinking chemicals from a chemistry set when he was nine years old. Yeah. That was his first real suicide attempt out of the 20 that he would eventually make throughout his his life to take his own life. So at nine years old, he was already not having a great go of it. And we've said this before, but you can feel sorry for the child version of someone who ends up being a complete monster. And for him, I do. Yeah. It's a really sad. His Right. It's sad. Completely agree. And things are about to get much worse because on December 6th, 1977, when he was 17, so like a senior in high school, his mom was killed in a car accident during which his older sister had been driving. That is so traumatic that I cannot even imagine. Yeah. He was obviously traumatized by her death. He personally described the event as devastating. He and the family were especially upset when they went to the hospital to claim her body that she was taken to as she was dying. So first they lost her body. They could not find it when the family went to view her body. And then it turned out that they had actually cremated her yeah. before they even told the family. Without family consent. 
Like, that's not They cremated right. her before the family even knew that she was dead. I hate it when... I hate that. That's... That's not okay. So not okay. They tell him his mom has passed away, and oh, by the way, here are her ashes. Like, that's... That's pretty rough. That's so rough. They... I mean, they shouldn't have done that. That's messed up, but, like, you can't do that. What if people have religious beliefs? Correct. You cannot do that. Not everybody's okay with cremation. And he's 17 when this is happening, which is, like, a pretty formative time in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So following that event, he decides to drop out of high school, which... I don't support, but I do understand in this in this situation. And he enlists in the Navy. Mm-hmm. He passed basic training and all the exams required for the submarine crew. So, like, psychiatric exam, everything, he passed. Which I had a friend who did that. It is not easy. The Marines are not a joke. Or, wait, the Navy? Are those different? Navy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they are? Two different. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. They're two different branches of the military. <laughs> are they? Obviously, I know a lot about... The army. That's a different branch. I know. But army feels like, you know, all inclusive. It's like the umbrella. Yeah. And then there's like a sub army category. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Wait, what are what's the difference between the Navy and the Marines? They're just two separate. It's like the the army, the Navy, the Marines, and the Air Force are the four branches. But what's the like aren't isn't the Navy like in the water? Yeah. Aren't Marines in the water too? Yeah, but I think Marines are, like, specialist water whatevers. I, fuck if I know. <laughs> please message us the difference between... I could Google it, but... Oh, my God, please don't message us. Don't be mad. I'm, I don't know. People are going to be mad. <laughs> they're going to be mad? We can cut it. Who cares if they're mad? <laughs> I don't care. I, I really don't know. So you can tell me if you want to. We're doing our best here. We can't know everything. We can't. And we're trying. So he actually did really well. Um, in the Navy, not the Marines. He didn't go there. Um, the Navy. Yeah. And he made it to Petty Officer Second Class aboard the ballistic missile submarine, the USS Woodrow Wilson. He was basically put on this team that managed the ship's projectile missiles, which is wild, <laughs> considering what we know about him now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said he didn't fit in, and he was, like, hazed there, which I feel like that's also part of the, the vibe. Military? Yeah. Oh, yeah, military. I... That's the word. <laughs> the whole umbrella. <laughs> that's the umbrella term instead of army? Got it. I mean, yeah. I feel like being hazed in the military is probably pretty common. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. After being there a year, he was found seated in missile controls wearing items that had been stolen from the ship's medical supplies, including, like, a surgical mask, gloves, and scrubs. So not his, like, actual uniform. And they were like, what the fuck are you doing here? Right. Wearing that? And he was disciplined for being super weird. Um, And he was reassigned to a lower-pressure job because they thought, like, something was wrong, obviously. (laughs) They were like, you need (laughs) to relax. Right. He never explained why he did this, and I honestly would love to know the answer. Like, imagine if you walked in and saw someone at your current job sitting at their desk in a, sur- like, full surgical gear. Yeah, no, it's it's really weird. No. I'd be like, get help. Yeah, like, and Which you would think they that they would be like, you must have help. Um, Right. He attempted suicide and was committed several times over the next couple of years, He got a medical discharge from the Navy, not the Marines, in 1984 for an undisclosed reason being you're unwell. Yeah. Am I allowed to guess? Because it's Red Flag City over here. And yes, you can guess. And yes, (laughs) it's necessary. So he then enrolled in Mountainside Hospital's nursing school in Montclair, New Jersey. 
Um, he was elected president of his class. I didn't know that they had that, but, like, go off. Yeah, his nursing class, apparently, they elect a president, and it was him, so... It was him. Charisma City. Everyone that was in that class... Yeah. ...needs to think about their life. <laughs> and graduated in 1986, and he started to work at the burn unit of St. Barnabas Medi- Medical Center in Livingston. He then met and married a woman named Adrian in 1987. Their first daughter was born later that year. However, mm-hmm. Adrian became concerned at his behavior and his alleged abuse of their dogs. Yikes. Right. Then in 1993, she filed a restraining order against him and claimed he had spiked people's drinks with lighter fluid. Mm-hmm. He burned books like of his children, his children's books. And he left his daughters with a babysitter for like a week without letting the babysitter know that it was going to be a week. Yeah. In addition, she reported like a detailed series of incidents like stuffing their ferret into a trash can. Oh, I have a question, though. So you get kicked out of the Navy. Sorry, discharged from the Navy. And somehow that means you're all good for nursing school. And I just believe there should be a center (laughs) of knowledge that people are like, "Huh, huh, everything feeds into this one center. And they're like, probably not a good idea. Like maybe just a, a little red flag pops up that's like, this guy has yeah. several concerning things in his past. Like stuffing a ferret into a trash can. I can't imagine doing that to a ferret. Ferrets are so cute. They're so cute. Why are you a dick? He's a dick. Leave that ferret alone. Like if you're mean to animals, I don't know what to tell you. You're a just a bad person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of bad people, let's move on to his crimes because it's about to get rough in here. Crimington. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> I would be shocked if this is the first crime he actually committed, to be fair. 110% right. agreed. The first murders that he committed that he has confessed to occurred while he was working at St. Barnabas in the uh, burn unit. On June 11th, 1988, he gave a lethal overdose of intravenous medication to a patient, John Judge John W. Yango Sr. That is a freaking name. Oh, this man is wild. <laughs> so he had been admitted to the hospital after suffering what was apparently a very rare allergic reaction to a blood thinner medication that he was on. Mm. So his very first victim was a judge. And I want to pause for a second to talk about the fact that I can't believe no one investigated the murder of a judge a little bit more. That's a really good point, actually. Because he was a judge. He was there for, like, a skin condition. How old was he? Um, I don't know how old he was, but I found a quote about him. Okay. Known by many as Maximum John for the severe sentences that he gave some criminals... Yikes. Pause for effect. He was a colorful New York, uh, New Jersey municipal court judge who led a controversial life that eventually got him removed from the bench in his hometown of New Jersey, of Jersey City, uh, after he made several unsuccessful mayoral candidate attempts. It sounds like he and old Charles would have been besties for the resties. And he was in this hospital for like a mild skin I I mean it's not mild I think it's a relatively severe skin condition but still a skin condition died in the hospital as a judge and everybody was like yeah sounds great what are you gonna do I think he was in his 70s I think he was like fairly old which is why I think people were like nah people in their 70s die yeah I think there was a lot of that remember when we covered um that murderer of 
uh, assist like people yes. who are living in assisted living and elderly care it's homes. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Like people are just like, well, well, they were old, and that's not a good reason to not a good excuse, nope. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> old people have to have a reason that they died too. Yeah, skin condition is not a good reason. Correct. So. Charles would later go on to admit to killing at least 11 other patients at that same hospital, including one AIDS patient who died after being given an overdose of insulin, which will eventually become one of his calling cards. He left St. Barnabas in January of 1992 because the hospital authorities began investigating what they believed at the time were contaminated IV bags, which is accurate. It's just he was the one contaminating them. You're on it. You're on it, hospital. Correct. Good job. A little late, Mm -hmm. I will say, but you're on. You're on top of something. Should have said spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. He did it. The investigation would later determine that he had most likely been responsible for the deaths of dozens of patients at this hospital. For the life of me, I could not figure out any details about this investigation. They say the investigation concluded. If there is an investigation, they found him responsible. How was he not stopped from going to the next place and committing more murders? So I looked into that, actually. Okay. Did you find something? Because at that time, they did not have a, like, reporting system. Right. And, I mean, we've talked about this before. That's ultimately why, plus, the um, institutions that would hire him were scared of getting sued. Yeah. Which, that makes sense. Plus, like, they would often not really have enough proof to do anything with. Uh, but they they could yeah. say medically. Somebody did this. That he must have done something. He, he like, even they could say he must have been the one. But legally, it was, like, not enough. Right. And their vibe is like, well, he's not at this hospital anymore, so... So he's not our responsibility. Damn, that's wild. It's so fucked. Okay. After leaving the first place because he was under suspicion, for good reason, yeah. Charles then took another job at Warren Hospital in Phillips, Phillipsburg? Okay. I'm not judging the name of the place. I don't know. Um, I'm from Nacogdoches. Felt like it, what but do I know? fair enough. Um, I know. It's a judgy tone. He murdered three elderly women with overdoses of a heart medication, dig oxen. Okay. Yeah. Also known as, another word I can't say, digitalis. Yeah. His last victim told other healthcare workers that a sneaky male nurse, quote, injected her while she was asleep, but people ignored her and dismissed it. And my question is why? Because she was old. Why would you dismiss this, though? If somebody was like, a sneaky man came in and injected me, I'd be like, point him out. Yeah, which one is this motherfucker? Yeah. Let's find him right now. I'd be wheeling her around in a wheelchair. Which one is sneaky? Pick him. Even if, like... Right? I don't know. I, I agree. No, I agree. It's like, if someone's saying something happened, investigate it. Like, what's the... Right. What's your reason for not? That's like bare minimum. Yeah. Which one was it? <laughs> okay. So in 1989, he moved into a basement apartment in Phillipsburg because his wife divorced him. A hero. Mm-hmm. Um, he said later that he actually had wanted to stop nursing, don't believe him, but couldn't because of the court-ordered child support payments he was forced to pay his wife. Duh, you have kids. Right. Too bad. <laughs> That's how kids work. That's how life is. Yeah. Yeah. He was also turning to alcohol and fighting for custody. You're never going to get custody. Get over it. Especially not if you turn to alcohol before you seek custody. (laughs) Especially with that combo. No. In March of 1993, he broke into a co-worker's home without waking her or her child, but like broken. Mm -hmm. 
And then he was like, oh, I love her. And he started stalking her and calling her home frequently after that. Yeah. She filed a police report and he pled guilty to trespassing. For this crime, he got a year probation. To which I say, bitch. That is a crime in and of itself. A year of probation for breaking into your house and like watching you sleep. It's not okay. And then stalking you and, and no. After his arrest, he attempted suicide again. He took two months off and was treated for depression in two different psychiatric facilities. Mm -hmm. He attempted suicide twice more that year. A 91-year-old patient at Warren Hospital said that Charles came into her room and injected her with a needle. And she passed away that next day. And she said it was that guy. And then she passed away. Right. Charles was not her assigned nurse. Yeah. And so that's like red flags, right? Her son said that her death was not natural, and the hospital gave Charles and the other nurses a lie detector test. He passed that because that is not real. Psychopath. Right. Yeah. They do that. He kept working at Warren until the next spring when he left and started working at an intensive care unit of Hunter Dunn Medical Center in Flemington. <laughs> These names. Right. I <laughs> don't love what that. What do you do in New Jersey? <laughs> yeah. He says that he didn't hurt anyone during his first two years, but bitch, who will believe you? Not me. No, same. <laughs> not me and not you. Um, you being Sydney, not you being yourself. <laughs> um, and for a good reason, because hospital records for that time period had already been destroyed at the time of his arrest in 2003, right. which obviously means his claims couldn't be investigated, which to me means he did more. Probably. Charles admitted to murdering five patients between January and September of 1996 with that dig oxen. Right. Uh, around this time, he next found work at Morristown Memorial Hospital, but he was soon fired for poor performance, which feels like the best decision anyone in the story has made yet. And I wonder if they fired him because they found he was doing something wrong. I'm sure. Yeah. Because he gets fired several times and it's usually for a different, a quote unquote different reason, but it's usually that the administrators seem to know what's happening. Yeah. But they just can't do anything or don't want to do anything about right. it. Yeah. Because they don't want to be held personally or uh, liable as a hospital. After he gets fired from Morristown, Charles was then unemployed for six months, stopped making his child support payments. As you do. <laughs> a winner. He then sought treatment for depression in the Warren Hospital emergency room. He was briefly admitted to a psychiatric facility. Neighbors at the time said that he could be found chasing cats down in the street in the dead of night. Okay. He walked around yelling or talking to himself. And he made like mean faces at people when he thought they weren't looking at him <laughs> so that's all very cool and super chill <laughs> the mean faces thing that's like a toddler vibe it's like what are you doing yeah what are you doing and don't you chase a cat don't you, you chase better a cat. leave cats alone he's just lost his grip on reality is what i feel yeah he's a working yeah. professional who has lost his grip on reality and is making faces at people it's so weird and chasing cats can you imagine though if you saw like your neighbor, you just happened to make eye contact with him when he was making, ah, like a scary face at you because he thought you weren't looking. I'd be like, I'm calling the police. I, I I don't know what I would do. It's not, you're not well. I'd probably make one back like a weirdo. <laughs> Isn't that such a weird thing? Or if you saw him chasing cats down in the street, you'd be like. Yeah, that's so true. That's so weird. You are unwell. Yeah. Okay. Now we're in February of 1998. He is hired by the Liberty Nursing and Rehab Center in Allentown, PA. 
He was staffed on a ward of patients who were dependent on respirators, which feels like the worst place for him to be. Right. (laughs) Right. So they, yeah, that's the worst possible location. Right. Love that. Just the most helpless people. Yeah. At this time, he was accused of giving patients drugs at unscheduled times and was fired after being seen entering patients' rooms with syringes in his hand. Something happened between him and one of these patients whose room he had entered and the patient ended up with a broken arm. What I bet happened is he went into this room of someone he thought was like a helpless old person. Yeah. They were not a helpless old person. They saw him about to give them an injection. And they fought back. And they fought back. Yeah. The hospital never like confirmed what happened here. So we don't fully know. But that's what I'm guessing happened. Because how did that patient just end up with a broken arm? Yeah, no, you don't, a a patient shouldn't end up with a broken freaking arm. That doesn't make any sense. You're a nurse. Yeah. So he did cause at least one death at Liberty, but it was blamed on another nurse instead of him. He ended up leaving Liberty and became employed at Easton Hospital from November of 1998 to March of 1999. On December 30th, 1998, he murdered another patient. A blood test at that time showed lethal amounts of digoxin in the blood, but an internal investigation within the hospital was inconclusive, and they had no evidence to definitively point to Charles as the murderer. That's that's the problem. Right. So nothing happened. We've already kind of said this, but I just want to pause because one of the most shocking aspects of this entire story is the fact that Charles is continually hired at different hospitals over the course of 16 years. Yeah. Because there were no reporting mechanisms in place to flag him for, like, jumping around to different hospitals is not a good sign. Dealing with these really severe mental health issues, probably not a good sign. Yeah. But there's nothing to indicate in their, like, employment system that this is happening. Yeah. So he keeps getting hired. So he's going to keep going. There's also, and pretty much always, at this time, historically, a national nursing shortage. Right. So it's rough for hospitals to fill roles, meaning they're super desperate. So when he comes in, he's super charismatic, so charming, and they're like, yeah, this guy's great. Right. And then they're like, this guy's a murderer. Fire him. (laughs) Like, that's the vibe. Right. When he gets there, he's like, hi, I was the president of my nursing class. Everyone likes me. And they're like, cool. And then he's like, oh, and I also chase cats and make faces at people. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, okay, see you never, get out. Yeah. In 1999, he took a job at a burn unit in Lay, yeah, Lehigh. Lehigh, That's probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, Valley Hospital, Cedar Crest. At this point, he murdered at least one person and attempted to murder another. Mm-hmm. One month after starting, he was allowed to voluntarily resign, quote unquote, um, because, you know, of murder. Mm-hmm. And then he took a job working in the cardiac care unit at St. Luke's Hospital in Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. The next three years are sprinkled with murder, at least five. On January 11th, 2000, he attempted suicide by lighting a charcoal grill in his bathtub and saying like he wanted to die from carbon monoxide poisoning. Mm -hmm. It didn't work because his neighbors were alerted by the smoke and called the fire and police departments. Yeah. He was taken to a hospital and a psychiatric facility, but came home the next day because they can't force you to like stay to stay you're right yeah um he may have gotten away with the saint luke's murders and kept going if a co-worker hadn't accidentally dis- discovered vials of unused medications in the trash this is probably not uncommon in a hospital but 
the medications that they found were ones that he's been poisoning people with, like digitalis, and they're not valuable on the street. Sometimes people who have access to these cabinets at hospitals will steal drugs, sell them on the street, or you know, use a recreational drug, but digitalis is a heart medication. It's not useful for either of those things. Yeah. So it didn't make sense that digitalis was the thing that was being smuggled out. And that's the only reason that this coworker felt the need to like alert people. Yeah. You're not selling these, you're not using them for fun. So what are you doing with this? Right. (laughs) They were like, wait a minute. Wait a freaking minute. Because of this fact, the coworker reported it. An investigation revealed that Charles was the one taking the medications. And again, they said, look, we can fire you or you can resign and we'll give you a neutral recommendation. And he was like, yeah, I'll take that option. Duh. They did escort him from the building with security, um, but his coworkers were like, that's not good enough because they had begun to suspect that they knew what Charles was, which is a cold-blooded murderer. Now, wait a, wait a second. Wait a just one darn second. Wait so, a minute. He's just resigning? Mm-mm. Get the fuck out of here. No, get out of here. So seven of those nurses who are sick of his bullshit that he had worked with at St. Luke's actually got all this information together, reported him to the district attorney, pointing out specifically that he had only worked 20% of the hours on the unit, but had been present for almost 70% of the deaths over the last six months. Those numbers alone are sus. Yeah. DA's office investigators never looked into his past, and the case was dropped nine months later due to lack of evidence, which is bullshit. And probably because you never looked into his past. That's crazy. Right. And they allude to that in the movie um, because somebody asked him about his time at St. Luke's and Eddie Redmayne says something like, oh, some of my coworkers conspired against me. And I paused the movie and I told Eric, yeah, they didn't conspire against him. Seven of his coworkers took information that he was killing people to the DA and the DA never did anything and dropped the case. So in 2002, Charles started working in the critical care unit of the Somerset Medical Center in Somerville, New Jersey. He started dating someone but had such severe depression that it didn't really work out. Mm -hmm. Um, He attempted to murder a patient, Philip Gregor, but it didn't work this time. However, Philip ended up passing away six months later, so it's still kind of sus. Mm -hmm. Somerset Medical Center in New Jersey began to conduct an internal investigation focusing on Charles over several unexplained deaths. So they were, like, pinpointing him, essentially. Yeah. They also noticed he was requesting drugs from the—it's not funny. They were like, you're requesting drugs from the computerized system and records that your patients don't need. Right. So why are you requesting them? Great question. And then he would— access rooms and patients he wasn't assigned and it was all in this system so they were like you can't say you didn't do it because we have a computer log here's the system yeah his request included orders that were immediately canceled within minutes of each other so it was like highly suspicious it was like put it in cancel it put it in cancel it put it put it in cancel it so they were suspecting that he had maybe like figured out a way to like juke the system and still get those drugs And they talk about it a little in the movie. Apparently, there was a flaw in the system where if you canceled it immediately... The drawer would still open. Then sometimes the cabinet would still open, and it would still give you the drug, but it looks like you canceled the order. His mistake here was doing it so often, back to back. So often? (laughs) How often do you need to do this? 
Um, In July of 2003, the executive director of the New Jersey Poison Information and Education System, that is a mouthful, Mm -hmm. reached out to Somerset to say there are at least four suspicious overdoses that need to be brought to your attention. Right. The hospital essentially dragged its feet and delayed contacting authorities until October of that year. By that time, he had killed at least five more patients. Right. While the hospital wasn't super helpful, yep. enter our queen, Amy Lauren, played by Jessica Chastain in the Netflix movie. Amy is the best. Yeah. That's just a fact. That's the tweet. Period. <laughs> Amy was a nurse and single mother dealing with a very serious medical condition called cardiomyopathy when she met Charles who had recently been hired as a nurse at the very same hospital where he would go on to kill 13 people. Amy and Charles basically became besties before she realized what he was. According to NJ.com, New Jersey.com, <laughs> when Charles enters the picture as a new night shift hire, Amy gladly accepts help from the capable, unassuming, and caring nurse. He's a comfort and a friendly face, someone who just makes her life a little bit easier. That's her work bestie. But when one of Amy's patients suddenly dies, it kicks up an internal investigation in the hospital, and Amy discovers that this patient died with insulin in her system. This was a patient who wasn't diabetic, and there was literally no reason for that drug to be there. A nurse would be able to tell if the insulin was your own insulin versus an injectable insulin, Mm -hmm. like a biosimilar. And Amy kind of is the person who flags that. According to Amy's website, quote, in 2003, I found out my closest friend at work was murdering people. This was a true friend that I confided in, shared my secrets with, and trusted with my life. I adored him. Right up until the moment that Amy realized what Colin had been up to when she turned to the police and began to help them build a case against him. And it was rough for her to believe that he was not a mercy killer. Amy was shocked and hurt, but she eventually decided that she had to help the police stop him. Amy says, quote, When I was 100% certain that he was not a mercy killer, that he was a cold-blooded murderer, I had to get past my own terror and my own fear that he actually might murder me or my children. Yeah, we love Amy. Like, we love, we are Amy stands for Evs. She's the best. She's the hero of the story for absolutely sure. Um, and we love and hate to leave you guys, um, with a cliffhanger, but we're going to pause here. We'll wrap this up next, next week, two weeks, (laughs) um, when we bring you part two, because Sydney is defending for her PhD next week. So I will be, (laughs) I'm so excited. I'm super excited. I'm also very excited to finish this story because yeah, this is a wild one. It's crazy. If you have ideas for a case we should cover or a story or a topic, please send us a DM at Malpractice Podcast on Instagram or our email, malpracticepodcast at gmail.com. We hope you liked the first part of the story. Don't forget to tune in in two weeks when we wrap it up. And don't forget to leave us a review wherever you listen. Yeah, do it. And also don't forget, (laughs) Malpractice malpractice makes makes perfect. perfect. Bye. Bye.